0: Welcome to The Mockingcast, the podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm David Zoll, your host, and in just a few moments, I'll be joined by my co-hosts, Sarah Condon and R.J. Heyman. We come to you every other Friday to explore a few of the places where we currently see grace and its absence playing out in unexpected and compelling ways. We're glad to have you with us. Praise the Lord. Well, this is unexpected. Um, <laughs> In more ways than one. Yes, it is. Uh, apocalypse. Here we are. We were talking um, uh, just over text and decided, you know, with, with all that's going on, it felt like right, especially as people's schedules are clearing, to record a, um, an extra episode of uh, The Mockingcast. In fact, we've decided um, going forward until, at least for the next few months, um, is to try to record every week as m- best we can. Uh, that's not a commitment to do that, uh, you know, forever. But while uh, you know services are suspended and people are at home, uh, we figured uh, it's a it's a feels like a it'll keep us occupied at least. Hopefully, uh, you'll enjoy it as well. Um, how are the two of you guys doing with this complete uncharted territory?
1: Oh my god, I'm such a train wreck. Um, like, <laughs> I'm I'm like swinging the pendulum between like everything's fine and like casually being like texting friends like, do we have enough wine for this? You know, things like that to, like, continuously ordering groceries online. Like, Josh is like, oh, my God, we have so much frozen lasagna. Are you okay? And I'm like, no, I'm not okay. That's, like, a rotating conversation we're having right now. Um, <laughs> my kid broke his arm, so I've had to – I'm just going to talk. That'll be the whole podcast. Um, <laughs> my kid broke his arm.
2: It is basically a therapy <laughs> exactly. session for Sarah. so we had
1: to go to the Where... hospital. Tell me we did more. We the hospital today Tell just, like, to do the normal, like, x-ray and make sure everything's okay. And they freaked out because I brought my daughter and you can't bring extras to the hospital now. And it was, ju- it's just, everything is such high anxiety. And I am such an anxious person just by nature. You know, I really do mm. believe people are either anxious or depressed in, in their nature and I'm anxious. And so, um, yeah, this has been tough for me. I'm not worried about getting sick. I want I do want to say that. I just think because everyone around me is anxious, I'm definitely absorbing that. Does that make sense?
0: Of course. Yeah. Of course. Florida, Florida, man. That's funny you say that,
2: Sarah, about everyone being either anxious or depressed. I remember one of my former students when I was in ministry said, uh, when my dad gets really stressed, uh, when my mom gets really stressed, she's go- she goes to bed. When my dad gets really stressed, he starts A 100%. And uh, that that's yeah, and I'm I'm definitely more the like I'm gonna I, go bought, to bed. I bought I bought know, flowers I'm, I'm, to I'm...
1: plant right before this in dirt. I'm serious, like I brought spray paint because <laughs> so. we're gonna be painting furniture tomorrow. Like that's where I am. Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. yeah let's, let's do that. We're gonna go. get the house let's to be stuff. amazing.
2: There's a Ooh, lot of crafting yeah. to be oh, done. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, but I'm also a roller coaster of emotions, and it started off being kind of good because my two older sons had elaborate spring break plans um, with sure. school and friends, which of course got canceled. And then I was like, awesome, you can just all come to Florida where I'm looking outside my window right now and it's gorgeous and 80 degrees and perfect, and we can go to the beach. And so we changed all their tickets and they're supposed to, um, fly in tomorrow morning. And then my wife was like, yeah, we're not doing that. We're not, we're not getting on an airplane mm-hmm. right now. So, um, anyway, it's interesting. It is a roller coaster of, of emotions and, uh, mm-hmm. um, but I'm, I'm, gen- I'm generally doing okay. Right. Cause I look outside the window and everything's fine. And granted, I have not been to a grocery store. You know, I haven't had to go to uh, Publix or or Costco or Target or whatever. So I have not experienced the insanity of the grocery store. Um, but I am managing uh, people's anxieties and questions about what are we going to do? How's this going to go? What do we, you know, what does church look like? You know, how important is it that we have a church? Do we cancel church? Um, so it's interesting. We just recorded and at the same a, time. I'm sorry. Continue. Oh, I'm I'm loving the Babylon Bee. Headlines, I must say. Come on, um, give, they, give us a sample. Some... Give us a sample. I'll give you a sample. Um, there are two that I liked in particular. The first one, Dave, made me think of you, which is... Oh, gosh. Um, oh, my gosh, where is it? Nations nerds wake up in utopia where everyone stays inside, sports are canceled, social interaction forbidden. (laughs) (laughs) I I like people. I do like like people, but sports are canceled, which to me is like, you know, this is the time of year when I'm like uh, getting ready to watch March Madness and getting very excited about that.
1: Yeah.
2: Wait, and uh, that's not happening this year. So, like, what am I supposed to do for the next month? Um, And then the next one is uh, No Greater Love, colon. Widow puts last toilet paper roll in offering plate. <laughs> oh I, my gosh, I that's like the that. we, name.
1: We canceled our trip to um, Abita Springs, Louisiana uh, for spring break. And we are supposed to meet my mom there. My dad's home. He's a writer. This is like great for him because he's like, he stays home anyway. But he's like, you know, the age of a dad of a girl who's 37. I don't know. My dad's like almost 70. He has like major asthma. I'm sure he's loving me saying this by the way. Um, and, uh, I was like, mom, like if we all get together, like, you know, he might like, you could give that, you could bring this home to him and he might die. And she was like, we'll think about it. She's like, I mean, I already bought board games. And I was like, I guess <laughs> just put that like on the funeral volgin. Like she'd already bought board games. I you passed know the I mean? point
2: of no return. The
0: Investment <laughs> is too high. I mean, too great an investment,
1: right? But we're we were sad to not do it, but it makes sense.
0: So yeah, I think uh, Nadia Bolsweber was saying it's it's a pandemic of disappointment. Yeah. Mm. Uh, it's a pandemic of a lot of things, and I, you know that that word I'm sure is going to be extremely overused, but it's it's sort of surreal for it to be used in a legitimate. Way, not in a metaphorical way, but then to have it—a pandemic of disappointment, a pandemic of fear, a pandemic of grief, Mm -hmm. and uh, I think a pandemic of judgment. uh, Like Sarah, you um in your you put a wonderful uh, list of prayers. People you're praying for right now, and towards the end you said you're, you're praying for people who are really scared, and then people who feel the need to be critical of people who are scared. And that that second one definitely got me. I'm sort of always. I grew up. My father. I don't know if people know this, but he was um. He grew up Christian scientist, which meant just by, um, yeah, he was going to the Christian science church or reading rooms or what have you. That was his Sunday school as a kid in Washington and D.C. And so you grow up with a deep suspicion of germs and just getting sick in general, so... uh, you know, we definitely, for whatever reason, sickness is never something that I take as seriously as I should. And uh, so my my default is always superiority. And uh, this is a point in time where, you know, they cancel the NCAA. You can understand when they're canceling stuff that a lot of people don't actually want to do anyway. Mm-hmm. And then they cancel stuff like the NCAA tournament, which... People they, love. So you, people a lot of for. people were sort of like, okay, well, at least I'll be at home watching Look, the Look, They NCAA
1: canceled tournament. Italy. Like, this is a big thing for your people. Like, they've canceled pizza, Dave.
0: Oh, <laughs> 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 no one can. Get t- pizza's too big to cancel, Sarah. <laughs> uh,
1: I know oh. everyone right now listening is like, she shouldn't make fun of that. People have died. We have to laugh too.
0: I, well, there's a big discussion to right to now, tension too. over. You know uh, the world is dying, and I'm sharing funny memes on uh, social you know media. What? But
1: Mm-mm. I, I think Mm-mm. there's
0: there's if you don't laugh, you're just going well, to escalate it's into a spiral. Too, my my wife, um, she knew I was
2: recording. She's like, "RJ, make sure not to say anything too kind of insensitive, because when this podcast comes out, you may not know what's actually going on. Um, it's a little crazy."
1: I have to say something. Sorry, because I because she's right. But I also want to say this: people who think that we should not be laughing right now have not not read nearly enough about the Holocaust because it was a major, major humor was so valuable for so many people Mm. in their darkest times. And I think one of the worst things we can do is to be critical of humor. I mean, I really, I said this today, but I really keep thinking about there's this uh, article in the Atlantic monthly probably three or four years ago. And it was like basically journals from teenagers they found during the Holocaust. And I, and obsessed with it because they're like falling in love and they're like angry with each other. And it's like funny and quirky and beautiful. And like that stuff's okay in the midst of this. In fact, like it's life giving for us. So I just, I want to just say that. Absolutely. No, I, I,
0: yeah. I mean, we're clearly in favor of humor. And uh, if, if we weren't Sarah, we certainly wouldn't have you. On this podcast. I'd be canceled. <laughs> be canceled. I'd be closed. Uh well let's talk about uh, D- David Brooks this morning wrote something called Pandemics kill compassion too. <laughs> New York Times, Pandemics Kill Compassion Too. I'll just read a a few paragraphs. He says, some disasters like hurricanes and earthquakes can bring people together. But if history is any judge, pandemics generally drive them apart. These are crises in which social distancing is a virtue. Dread overwhelms the normal bonds of human affection. In his book on the 1665 London epidemic, a journal of the plague year, Daniel Defoe, who wrote uh, Robinson Crusoe, reports... This was a time when everyone's private safety lay so near them they had no room to pity the distresses of others. The danger of immediate death to ourselves took away all bonds of love, all concerns for one another. But then he sort of ends, uh, he goes through a lot of other examples, and he talks about the 1918 you know, flu epidemic, which killed uh, roughly 675,000 Americans were killed in this flu epidemic, uh, as compared to 53,000 in uh, sort of World War I. Um, yet people didn't talk about it. After it was done there weren't plays written and books written and it's sort of almost a cultural curiosity as to why this didn't traumatize people more or that didn't come out in works of uh, sort of art. Um, And he says that perhaps it was because people didn't like who they had become during that epidemic. It was a shameful memory and therefore suppressed. I mean, every time I hear the word social distancing, I, I recognize its legitimacy, and I also, um, you know, think it's uh, clearly a necessity, mandatory. And yet, um, it reminds me of C.S. Lewis's, um, you know, description of hell in The Great Divorce. If you know, to, to hell is to be actually not other people; it's to be uh, contra Camus, it's or Sartre, it's to be to not have uh, contact with other people to have a lack of love and, and those who are lonely right now to be told that they have to engage in social distancing. I, I just, uh, it it just adds compounds the tragedy and the, um, I don't know the intensity perhaps of this, this event. I think we'll be talking about this for a long time and there will be, uh, hidden blessings as, you know, as, as Stephen Colbert says, you know, what punishments are not gifts. Mm. Um, and yet uh, in the moment, the anxiety and the loneliness that we're all about to, uh, you know, without the NCAA tournament, I just, uh, it, it makes my heart hurt. It's
2: funny you say that, Dave, because we spent a lot of time on the podcast talking about kind of the dangers of social media. And yet this is one of those moments when you're like, thank God for social media. Thank God for television and Netflix and streaming Especially for people who may find themselves isolated, it's really going to be a, a lifeline. And I can't imagine what it would be like to be in a world where you were home. I guess you could read a book, you know. But or um, I think about previous pandemics where people were quarantined and there was nothing to do. We actually have some stuff to do now. And yes, there's misinformation and everything, um, but there's there's something of a of a silver lining in that. And then also, you know, as spring break plans were getting canceled all over the place. Um, there was more than one parent who said to my wife, and it was kind of our feeling too. You know, we're just going to be a family for spring break. We just we're just going to be a family. We're going to keep everyone together. We're going to make sure that we're not going all over God's green earth. So this sense of um, families coming together in the midst of uh, of difficult times, in the midst of sort of a pandemic and fear. So. I don't know. And then,
0: that makes me think of like people who I know are like getting separated and getting divorced and people whose families, it's. it's st- I wonder if that will help them come back together or it will just be a source of enormous so. splintering and pain. I mean, let's also, you
2: know, it's, it's uh, I know a lot of parents are struggling, you know, schools in um, Houston have been canceled through the end of the month at least. And I know that puts a lot of stress on people. And yet for the kids, it's kind of like a big snow day. You know, it's it's uh, we don't have to go to school for an extra week. Are you kidding me? That's amazing.
0: Yeah, so, we shall uh, see.
2: We shall see. We'll see how amazing it is. Exactly, mm. Sarah.
1: I don't know. I mean, it's just a lot that I'm processing. I, the last thing you said about school. Um, my kids are really sad about school, especially my daughter, because she's like the best student ever, and so she gets lots of affirmation mm. there. And um, I'm not made for homeschool uh mm-hmm. like as has been suggested by several uh well-meaning people that we could homeschool our kids um i I don't have an education degree so um I mean I could teach them about the civil rights movement and um and then you know I
0: mean <laughs> mommy we don't want to read another Holocaust yeah, I'm just like,
1: I, don't, <laughs> I don't know what we're gonna do um, we're gonna paint furniture tomorrow um it is You're gonna interesting. Your,
2: can, your kids cans of spray paint. Is that the plan for tomorrow? Yeah. I mean, tomorrow? I really. I'm, I'm yeah. Really, I'm going to need some pictures. some some Instagram. We're of that literally going to redo
1: the porch upstairs. Like Josh is like, "Oh my god, are you okay?" And I'm like, "No, I'm not okay." You've already asked me this three times. I'm not okay. Um, the
2: house is going to look amazing. It is.
1: <laughs> but my heart is going to be a mess. Um, yeah. I. It was interesting to be out today because I definitely felt like there were people who were trying hard harder to be more compassionate. Do you know what I mean? I think they were like thinking about that and then I think that there were people that were really freaked out who were sort of more in a place of scarcity and I think having grace for both versions of those people is really important. Um mm. we, you know, we have a ministry at, at Holy Spirit that feeds 2400 kids every weekend um in the third ward of Houston, which is, you know, one of the poorest neighborhoods in the country and we are really trying to figure out as a community how we can continue to feed those kids through this. So last night, like there was a big push to get a bunch of bags put together and we had a lot of groups fold on us. And so we put on an all call for church and a ton of people showed up. Cause it's like, if you're not in that age group, you're not in that risk group. Can you show up and just do this one thing? Um, and that's really encouraging. Um, you know, I think other things that have been like de- just have spoken so much to our, our capacity for compassion, that video of the people in Italy and the empty street and they're singing to each other through the windows. Um, it's like, so touching. it's incredible. I mean, cause it's just like the desperate need for human communication. Like, yes, the internet is amazing. And I already, I'm a hundred percent with you. Like, it is, so, it's like, thank God we have that right now because you and I have been through a Harvey, right? Like we know what it's like to have, be closing in your house and to not have that. So it is incredible to have it. But there's also like, I mean, I know we're not big on like telling people what to do, but like call your single friends like mm. that's what I keep keeps going through my head is like to be single right now is must be incredibly difficult because um, your loneliness is just compounded. So I, you know, yeah. I don't know. It just I, all feels hard and sad a little
0: bit. I mean, Brooks at the end of the article does talk about basically healthcare professionals, doctors, nurses, yeah. you know, surgeons who, who step up to the plate in these acts of yeah. human selflessness and people in ministry too, you know, yeah. n- nuns. And, and you're always, I'm always, always reminded of the plagues, you know, that you hear read about in the, you know, Roman empire when the Christians would stick around. And I don't know if that's me. I don't know if that's me, but I also know, that I think that we are going to see some really beautiful things. And I, I also, you know, along those lines, the social media, we're, I think we're already seeing some sort of humor and humanity play out mm-hmm. as everyone is thrust into the same boat. And, you know, one of the things I tried to talk about actually in my book was I thought that if we talked about death more in church or just in general in life, we would, we would find some more common ground because that's just, it's a great equalizer. Mm-hmm. And um, this has got, you know, people aren't thinking about the same things they were thinking about yesterday. And uh, there's some, it's just amazing how many things we thought were important yesterday are less important today, so I, I see that, and I see that on social media a little bit. And you know, we're gonna, um, Sarah, you and I were talking about this earlier today, and I can just announce it right now. But we're gonna do, we're gonna lean in uh, on Mockingbird because that's where we sort of have pioneered this online thing, and we're gonna do daily video devotions. And uh, your you both of you are gonna do it. RJ, I haven't told you you're gonna do it yet, but uh, can't wait. And just to be in touch with people, as the uncertainty is very you know, frightening as it always is. So that leans into
2: something that I've been thinking about because I've been thinking about what I'm going to preach on this Sunday. And the readings are actually amazing this week. And the collect is amazing. And let me just start off by reading the collect for this Sunday, which is so helpful. Um, Almighty God, you know that we have no power in ourselves to help ourselves. Keep us both outwardly in our bodies and inwardly in our souls that we may be defended from all adversities, which may happen to the body and from all evil thoughts, which may assault and hurt the soul through mm. Jesus Christ, our Lord. So that's just a, a beautiful admission of our powerlessness and then a cry for help that comes from the outside. Um, and then, you know, the, the readings, the Romans reading is that famous one Um you know, we know that suffering produces endurance mm-hmm. and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And so it talks about suffering. Um, but then what occurred to me yesterday as I was thinking about this, that we, we're in a moment of profound fear. And a lot of those that fear is, is kind of fear of what might happen. It's not fear of what is happening, it's potential fear. Um, and that there is a difference. Sometimes I think we confuse fear and suffering. And we think they're the same and they're not the same. Because while suffering, I do believe, actually produces character and endurance and hope. And we sort of see that in that beautiful Italy video, right? That, that people who are, are actually suffering, that somehow it creates compassion and, and humanity and, and a sense of uh, community. And, and Brooks says this in his article, too, right? That there's something different about a natural disaster or 9 11 versus an epidemic. Um, that something about uh, suffering brings people together uh, whereas fear tends to alienate mm. it tends to create suspicion um, isolation hatred um, and that the gospel reading this week is Jesus encountering the Samaritan woman at the well wow. you know who and that the Samaritans are people that the Jews uh, feared mm-hmm. and hated and it created this distance and yet Jesus, um, doesn't, doesn't buy into that. Like he doesn't, uh, you know, what does first John say? Perfect love drives out all fear and that we love because he first loved us and that we may be afraid, but the, you know, God's two most uh, prevalent words to his people throughout the Bible are, are over and over again, fear, not fear, not fear, not, and that we need to hear those words over and over again, because I think it'll help us, Gauge reality a little bit that when suffering comes, we can respond to that, but not to be paralyzed or enslaved by fear, um, where there isn't necessarily
0: any suffering yet. And fear can be kind of a suffering, but. I'm a bigger fan of that Exodus passage where the people are, are like saying like they're, they're thirsty. They're complaining. Yeah. They're thirsty. It's like, is God with us or not? Yes. And yes. Uh, basically they've run out of patience with God, but God has not run out of patience with them. And the yeah. provides water from the stone from the least likely place and the yes. sort of grace of that. I just, preached a sermon on it yeah. uh, to, to a video camera, which is very surreal. But I, I, it's, it's uncanny how so much some of these readings at least speak to my heart. Absolutely. Um, and there's no, again, it, it's tempting to want to use our faith to try to fix the coronavirus. And we can't fix the coronavirus, but what, no. what the gospel does, it can address grief, it can address um, uh, f- fear, and it can address death. Those mm-hmm. are the, I mean, those are, if it, can, if it can address those things, then, then I don't know what gospel we're talking about. Let's, let's dive into some of the mechanics before we're going to give some recommendations and whatnot, but what Martin Luther teaches us about coronavirus by Emmy Yang in Christianity Today, in, in Christianity Today. Uh, she writes, uh, are followers of Jesus right to flee an epidemic when people are suffering and dying? In the 16th century, German Christians asked Martin Luther for a response to this very question. Luther first argued that anyone who stands in a relationship of service to another has a vocational commitment not to flee. Those in ministry, he wrote, must remain steadfast before the peril of death. The sick and dying need a good shepherd who will strengthen and comfort them and administer the sacraments, lest they be denied denied the Eucharist before their passing. Luther challenges Christians to see opportunities to tend to the sick as as tending to Christ himself. Out of love for God emerges the practice of love for neighbor, But Luther does not encourage his readers to expose themselves recklessly to danger. He makes it clear that God gives humans a tendency towards self-protection and trusts that they will take care of their bodies. All of us, he says, have the responsibility of warding off this poison to the best of our ability because God has commanded us to care for the body. He defends public health measures such as quarantines and seeking medical attention when available. In fact, Luther proposes that not to do so is to act recklessly. Just as God has gifted humans with their bodies, so too he has gifted the medicines of the earth. Notably, Luther also reminds readers that salvation is independent of these good works. Mm. He ultimately tasks devout Christians to come to their own decision and conclusion, whether to flee or stay during plagues, trusting that they will arrive at a faithful decision through prayer and meditation on the Scriptures. Participation in aiding the sick arises out of grace, not obligation. However, Luther himself was not afraid. Despite the exhortations of his university colleagues, he stayed behind to minister to the sick and dying. He urged his readers not to be afraid of some small boil in service of neighbors." She shifts gears here. In an open letter calling for prayer from Christians around the globe, an anonymous Wuhan pastor, you know, where they're in China where they've had mm-hmm. such sort of ground zero, uh, th- this anonymous pastor, a Wuhan pastor, affirms, Christ's peace is not to remove us from disaster and death, but rather to have peace in the midst of disaster and death, because Christ has already overcome those things. Both Luther and the Wuhan pastor express the reality of suffering, but recognize that death and suffering do not have the final word. A lot of so words. Good. What are you, uh, what do you think about that? I love how balanced
2: he is actually. And I think it's really in keeping with the spirit of Paul in Romans who um, let each one be fully convinced in their own minds, you know, that whatever um, that we, we, we honor God and sort of um, acting out of faith. And I, I love the call to service and self-sacrifice and love. And yet at the same time, you know, Sarah, as you said, in your um just, brilliant piece about who you're praying for. This is not a time to be judging other people for what they're doing or not doing. You know, I think Paul and Roman says, um, you know, it is before, don't judge other people because it's before God that we stand or fall and God is able to make us stand. Hmm. Um, and, uh, so yeah, but I find it very convicting, obviously also as a, as a person who's in a serving profession as he, as he calls it, you know, to what degree, um, uh, will perfect love drive out fear in my own life? You know, even if I, as I recognize, um, that, you know, God shows up and provides in the midst of difficult circumstances, um, am I able to uh, sort of carry that same, uh, love and service to people who, who may need it. So I find it comforting and sort of convicting at the same time.
1: Yeah. I just kind of wonder what this is going to look like that's how it affects me. It's like, what will this, how, I mean, I think it's, it's always very, um, Dave, I love, what's the Stephen Colbert quote you said? What,
2: what, what punishments what, of God are not gifts.
0: gifts.
1: Oh, I think that's it. Right. I just love yeah, that. Anderson um, Cooper. cause I, I wonder what will become of us in the midst of this. How will we function as clergy? What will God put on our hearts to do? Um, or not do. And that's like very like I'm just sitting here thinking, like, should we be reaching out to our elderly personers and asking if they need us to bring them groceries? Like that hadn't occurred to me till like they've read that out loud and then RJ said it and I was like, Okay, well that's a thing and I'm not saying like that's a thing we should all be doing, but like that's a thing that I could do, like that's a that's a way that I could be in this. I mean, you know, I I mean, Dave, like you have college students who are now all their classes are online. Um, you know, some of them have had to go back to, you know, really shitty towns in West Texas (laughs) and, um, I'm worried about them, you know, and, and, and now there's this, I don't know. I, 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 uh, I want to say this carefully or not. Um, I understand our sort of thing with Mockingbird that we want to do these devotionals online and we've always been online. It is a little interesting to me that the church is now like, no, you're gonna do online worship and everything will be fine. Yeah. <laughs> like it does. There's a little bit of me. I'm gonna to totally, I mean, we all know no one's gonna like me, bishop. So here we go. Um, there's a little bit of me that <laughs> wonders if it would Hold be the on to your
2: hat. right
1: if it would be the worst thing if like the greater church wasn't just like, don't do anything for two weeks. Like, don't do online worship, don't do anything, stay at home pray call your old people call your single people see if they need food do you know what i mean like it is interesting to me that like we've responded in sort of it sort of lock and step with secular world right that we're like how are we going to bring our work online you know what i mean and it's like this may not be work that's meant to be online and so what are the variations of that of being a christian what will be be called into And like, are we spending so much energy and noise trying to figure out how to like, quote unquote, optimize the moment, you know, for the church um, that we could be spending saying, oh, my gosh, you know, Sally's 85 years old and by herself, does she need us to bring her milk? You know, I think that is that's what I hear when I listen to this Luther thing is like what are we at what's our what's our neurotic anxious we don't want people to forget about the church self telling us to do in the midst of this and then what is Jesus telling us to do in the midst of this so
0: that's really i think that's convicting um, you know, it's convicting while we're recording a sort of a bonus podcast too. Um, but this is what we do. Was uh, the interesting the other day? I was I was meeting with a Bible study group of older ladies who um, had read Seculosity, and they were asking one of the questions. I guess in the study guide was like, "What's one thing that we could do uh, to sort of?" It, alleviate the insane pressures of seculosity of the sort of nonstop enoughness mandate you know mm-hmm. always be proving always and this this lady looked up at me and this was two days ago she's like you know i, I gotta be honest like i think like a mandatory two-week pause from all the noise hmm. might be the exact thing <laughs> it's like the that one thing need. i could think of yeah and you're like well i was like well uh i'm not going to I'm not gonna, uh, you know, uh, disagree with you, mm-hmm. and I don't know how to. I'm not gonna ascribe motives to God in this moment. I think that perhaps a disruption of our insanity of our lives and the divisions and the noise and the proving and all that stuff, I I have to see that as some partly a good thing. Uh, I don't want to see death and sickness as a, as that, but sure. I also am like sitting there thinking, like, wow, this feels like a nice kind of reset. Uh, button or something Uh, and maybe we should just go go with the sort of everyone's got a total excuse like a snow day you know to chill and whether or not we can handle that as sort of human doings is a totally different story and i have
1: to like the pushback i just i know like we're very privileged that we get to have that you know what i mean like there are people that don't have to. There are people at home money we're very privileged so i just want to acknowledge that however i also want to make a joke that's dark, um, but funny to me that I think about all these clergy who, like, are like, you know, I think I'm a prophet when they take to the pulpit, like, here's what you need to do to fix the world. And it turns out that the real prophet is just this lady, you know, this older lady in a, in a women's Bible study who has told us we all need to take two weeks off, so... That's where the real prophets are, folks. Like, well, stop trying to make yourself into one. You just need to be an older lady of Bible study who tells everybody else that they need to, like, hang out for two weeks, you know? She took me to
0: school. Yeah. Lord. That's awesome. And Sarah, and,
2: and, you know, going back to what you were saying, worrying about the college student who has to go home and the social isolation and the loneliness. At the same time, we do actually believe maybe, you know, as Christians, but maybe somewhat uniquely as kind of theology of the cross types, that God does actually show up in the midst of hard things, you know, and also in the midst of silence, you know, um, that again, a break from, from the noise and a a recalibrate. We'll see. I mean, Dave, didn't we ever read articles here that talked about, um, how the only time people ever let themselves off the hook is when they absolutely have to and they have no choice
0: because they're so yeah, like a, disaster a, or something. That's what she was talking you know? about. It's like an enforced, yeah. an enforced surrender mm-hmm. on that's the right. self that's self-salvation right. projects because it's so clearly out of your control. Yeah. And it's frightening and it's amazing to see how much none of us actually believe that God is in control when it really comes down to it. Or at least we have a, a war within ourselves over that question. Um, and yet that's when you read that collect like that's what christians actually believe we have no power in ourselves to help ourselves and that this laying bare of the true reality that all this stuff that we thought was so important it can be canceled and it will be canceled Mm -hmm. you know Um, yeah, and uh that and that life will go on and that you're right there's a difference between suffering and fear (laughs) because like today today like even if, even if you're an hourly wage worker today, uh, you know, Dollar General was open on my way here from Pennsylvania where I was last night. And those people seem to be actually kind of – they seem to be rolling with the punches pretty well. Mm-hmm. It's the people with the, with, on the higher up on the, who are dealing with markets and stuff that were uh, losing their minds. Um, and not to push it too hard, but do we have the faith um, to believe
2: that even this might be kind of a gift – you know, that if all of life, if God is, if God is working all things together for the good of those who love him and that he loves, can we, um, I don't know, can we see the the that's a little hard to say.
0: That's a little intense to say. For I mean, yeah, who's, not who's right now I can, but only in know, six I years. Know, you know. Maybe in six whole thing. Let's
2: <laughs>
0: let's uh, okay, let's let's move into this section here. because uh, I, I do want to talk about Sarah, your your list before we end. So I thought we'd, you know, talk about maybe some things that we would recommend and or that we're looking forward to consuming or reading, listening to, uh, and and could kind of pool our resources here. So who wants to begin?
1: I will start. I want to remind everyone that PBS <laughs> runs kid shows for like five hours in the morning, and it's free. Uh, you might need one of those like electronic antennas or whatever they're called, but highly recommend. There's a lot of research that Daniel Tiger uh, is super soothing for kids, actually, to watch with them, and. Um, one thing people suggest is you like ask some questions about it later. Um, I've never done that before because when I put my kids in front of the TV, I'm for sure not watching it with him or asking the questions later. <laughs> but um, I would commend okay. that to
0: I, you.
2: I know, I know what the kids will be doing in the content household,
0: yeah. Like
1: yesterday, I was like, said to Josh, I was like, we've got to limit their screen time, this is going to be crazy. It's 19 days, and like, as I was like. Coming down here, like Neil is like got his Nintendo Switch with headphones on, and Annie's like, you know, Princess Sophia land. So here we are. Um, I also recommend driving fast on the interstate with the windows down. Yes. Kids think that's amazing. Yeah, you don't have to expose yourself to anyone. Um, (laughs) Painting furniture, I'm obviously a big fan of. It won't look great because you'll use spray paint. You also won't clean it, dust it, wipe it down, sand it you just like spray paint it in your backyard on the grass. But it's very fun, so I recommend that. Um oh, I recommend. So these are two serious things that I do every day um to keep me from like going over the edge. Um 1517's uh Christian History Almanac podcast uh is amazing. What, what? It's amazing. Yeah. I cannot recommend enough. It's like 5 or 6 minutes. Um, I have days, like I'm hoping everyone else has, when I do not want to go to work. Um, I do not want to get dressed. I do not want to put on makeup. And, I, and I'm and i from Mississippi, so obviously I wear makeup. Okay, feminists. But um, the this podcast is so, it's Dan Van Boris. Yep. Okay. He has such a lovely, soothing voice. It's about basically like, it's like, anniversaries of Christian martyrs. Um and then like it'll be or it'll be like history. I mean just different little tidbits. I mean it'll be everything from something that happened in the third century of Christendom to like a radio televangelist that you've never heard about and maybe didn't want to and now you know. And then he always ends it with poetry and then the phrasing at the end, um Oh, gosh, Dave, can you remember it? My husband just quoted it to me. Everything
0: will be all right. Oh,
1: my gosh. That everything's going to be okay. It's just that this is like it's always such a like just a bomb to my soul. But I so recommend that you just hear this guy say everything will be okay. And the great news is if you've never listened to it before, I'm 57 episodes behind currently. (laughs) And you can just press play and it'll just go one after the other. So that's I do that. The other thing that I highly recommend is to lay on the floor for at least five minutes of silence every day, because I know we keep talking about silence and social isolation and blah, blah, blah. The reality is we're all about to be on the internet nonstop and we're going to have a lot of noise in our lives and not good noise sometimes. And I think just, I am mean, I'm not saying this from like a, you need to have quiet time with the Lord and all this stuff. It'll just like reset your central nervous system a little bit. Which is like really important right now. So if you mm. can get that, just put the kids in front of Daniel Tiger, hand them some spray paint, lay on the floor. These are these are my plans. Uh the only the last thing I just wanted to say, and this book is probably like way too intense for um, let me find this bit. Way too intense for anyone to be reading right now. I should not be reading it. It is let me say the name of the book. It's Agency by William Gibson you guys know
0: the sci-fi writer
1: I think I I he's like so accomplished and I hadn't heard of him which is like classic Sarah but um, cyberpunk yep yeah 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 he was like the first one to talk about cyberspace but this is really this book is really in some way sort of about the end of things um so it is kind of terrifying but there's this bit oh gosh you gotta stay with me hold on let me find it real quick
0: you want to keep looking and let RJ yeah talk? go RJ all right, RJ. What, while Sarah looks for her quote, well, what do, I'm I'm completely
2: overwhelmed by all the options Sarah has offered. I mean the uh, the one
1: thing, I, RJ, I we were given I'm, an assignment, okay? Like I follow. I Sarah. know, and okay? clearly
2: you're a okay, uh, okay. you're a vacuuming, you know, vacuuming type person, and not a go to bed type person. Good I haven't showered in three
1: days. Okay, I'm glad to but. know that
2: you're really taking this opportunity to, um, you know, take a break <laughs> from from life and really relax a little bit. But anyway. The only thing I know for sure I'll be doing, because um, I was hanging out with some people from church the other night, and they were about to watch the finale of The Bachelor, and I texted my wife, and I said, should I watch this, or should I wait? And she said, wait. So I'm pretty sure we'll be completely binge-watching the entire season of The Bachelor, which I'm looking forward to. Um, But besides that, and hanging out with my boys in the backyard, and... um, I don't know, probably firing a lot of Nerf guns and having a lot of water wars because the zoo is closed and the museum is closed and everything is closed. Um, taking walks, I don't know, to clear my head. Enjoying uh, enjoying the weather and uh, just strolling around. So those are really the only things. Watching The Bachelor with my wife, taking walks and wrestling my my three-year-old into submission. That's either like lighting.
0: the best list or the worst list. I can't tell because that's... a. Uh, um... I I love you, RJ. I I I immediately. Why why is that
2: the worst? Well,
0: it's just like let's go. I mean, you're so sanctified. Let's take a walk. Let's hang out with my kids and watch a romantic thing with my wife. I mean, let me tell you what I think people should read and watch. (laughs) I remember uh, my friend here, uh, Jen uh, Sapronich, who's. who works with me here in Charlottesville, she said, this is so great, I'm finally going to read The Crucifixion by Fleming Routledge, (laughs) which I thought was a a great idea. Uh, I would say to uh, encourage people to read Dominion by Tom Holland. There's there's actually a lot in there about how Christians have responded to things over the years and what what the even uh, idea that we would want to um, care for the sick is uh, where that comes from. It's, but it's also really fun to read. Uh, my dear friend uh, Lex Raby, uh, under his pen name, wrote a series of young adult novels called Quarantine. And it's about a high school that gets, like, shut down and quarantined and, and sort of this Mad Max universe sort of develops within it. And if you're a person that likes kind of... It, I, it's Latter a lot, day Lord of the
2: Flies type thing.
0: Mixed with Hunger Games and a lot of really sort nice. of pulpy, fun stuff. I loved that series, uh, and I highly recommend it to you. We do the Well of Sound podcast together. He's a dear friend. Um, I just read Adjustment Day by Chuck Palahniuk, and it's about sort of a similar thing where all of society gets reset through a revolution. And um, he's the guy who wrote Fight Club, and um, it's very, it's kind of laugh out loud funny and also dead serious at times. Uh, Storymakers has uh, decided they're going to give away electronic copies of their zines. For, so exciting! For people who want to use that with their churches or with their kids while they're uh, hold up. I think that's great. I think uh, I'll give a plug to the Mockingbird Magazine. It's a it's you know a lot of times these they're, they're so chock full of stuff that I think people read uh, you know take a long time to read the issue. This is a great time to do that. Um, but in terms of I, I'm, I might my wife and I might watch Jewel on the Crown. The great, you know, uh, BBC uh, series from the '80s that ever was kind of prestige to drama before it—that th- was a thing. Uh, but the best show on television, as far as I can tell right now, and if you haven't watched it, this is your chance to cut, catch up because there's a lot of th- moving pieces. Is Better Call Saul, and if you, it is such a good show, and it really is the—it's sort of the Prodigal Son in reverse, mm. um, and it's extremely well done and full of un characters and twists and depth and, um, poetry and all the things. And it's not boring. Um, I think the, there, that it's kind of a, it's becoming ch- almost the same level as breaking bad, which is, it's, it's sort of, it's a, it's a, um, high praise, you know, it's, progenitor. it's, it's yeah. fantastic. So those are my recommendations. Sarah, did you find your passage? Okay. You read to us? I have
1: books, so I'm ready. Um, okay. So, two books. The first one, actually, is Alice Hoffman, The World That We Knew. Um, If you want a book that's light and about the Holocaust... um,
0: Oh, God! Sarah! (laughs) (laughs) She can't help herself.
1: You're welcome, everyone who just laughed or is now appalled by me. Um, I highly recommend it. It's a little science fiction-y, which is all... I love when science fiction and religion get mixed, and it definitely... Feels that way in this book. There's a golem that gets created to help a girl get to safety. It's so beautiful. Um, there is a, a character that falls in love with a crane and they like dance together at night. It's a beautiful book. I cannot recommend enough. Alice Hoffman, The World That We Knew. The other book I was thinking of is Agency by William Gibson which apparently uh, I didn't know William Gibson and I know I should because he's the guy that came up with the word cyberspace. Um, But he's written a whole lot. But I heard this quote um, when he was interviewed about the book and I was like, I have to buy this book. I bought it before the coronavirus and it is a little terrifying to read. It's sort of about alternative realities and, um, why people want to go to them because the world is falling completely apart. But there's this quote that I just loved. Um, she took the seat opposite her husband. Nothing before the 2020s has ever seemed entirely real to me. She said, hard to imagine. They weren't constantly happy given all they still had tigers, for instance.
0: Oh, so anyway,
1: I really loved I it's a it's a beautiful book um, so far, but it is terrifying, which is obviously like, you know, I like terrifying, but light. That's my genre.
2: I'm just exhausted listening to the two of you. I'm going to go take a nap now <laughs> and try to recover from the unbelievably exhausted just, to-do like, list I've just been weighed down so like, with. Like, like I, 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 thought I was going to get a couple of weeks off, and now apparently you're not. I need to become a worthwhile human being. You need being. to
1: get some spring green Thanks spray for paint. Nothing. You're Good not. Grief. So,
0: bad, oh my RJ
1: just stays up late at night and reads Paul's epistles over and over again so he can quote them on here like a jack wagon. <laughs> That's, That's what he does at night. Just so you know. Jamie's uh-huh. got flashcards for him. No, I watch sports. Him. I watch sports. Basically,
2: watching, without... Now I don't know, I know. what I'm going to do.
0: Without <laughs> sports, a bunch of men in this country are going to have James major it personality crises. James it is, RJ. Start, start, I might have
1: to start actually playing James sports. Maybe that's
2: what I'll do. I'm going to retake up tennis. <laughs> either that or do some major body surfing which by the way I did last week until I saw a five-foot shark like 10 feet away I was like mm, time
0: to go in now you know one so, of the things uh, that I uh, that's great I, RJ I'm so proud of you the uh, let's I'm, let's I'm uh, proud of let's wrap this up by, I want to <laughs> <laughs> I want to read I want to wrap this up by reading a portion of the what's been making the the rounds a bit on social media as a uh, CS Lewis's um uh, essay on Living in an Atomic Age. I, I love. I thought this quote is just classic him. He says, "In in in one way, we think a great deal too much of the atomic bomb. How are we to live in an atomic age?" I am tempted to reply. Why, as you would have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year, or as you would have lived in a Viking age when raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat or any night, or indeed, as you are already living in an age of cancer, an age of syphilis, an age of paralysis, an age of air raids, an age of railway accidents, an age of motor accidents. In other words, do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Believe me, dear sir or madam, you and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before before the atomic bomb was invented. If we're all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things, praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts, not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies, but they need not dominate our minds." Um, and the other th- note to leave us on is, Sarah, you wrote this wonderful list of uh, people you're praying for. Uh, now, I can read it, uh, or you can read it, but I'm wondering if you have just a, f- a few words to say about what you were doing there and why um, why you think it's it's touched people so deeply.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know why it's touched people so deeply. Um, I think for me, I know from just like AA stuff um, that it's really helpful to think about somebody other than me and to think about something other than my own fear. And I was in church last Sunday and they um, played that beautiful, I don't know the arrangement or anything, but we put it on the peace version of God so loved the world. Mm-hmm. And it was so like reassuring to me. Um, Cause it was one of those Sundays that priest wives have where there's something happening globally. And then we, go to church and everyone expects us to have pleasant conversation. And if you're like me, you're an anxious presence. And the last thing you want to do is smile at people. And it's really hard and you just want to be in worship, but it's really hard. And like this song just ministered to me and I was like, I need to pray for people. So anyway, that, um, I just started a list of people I was praying for and kind of shared it with you guys on a whim and didn't expect it to end up on the website and definitely didn't expect it to get the response
0: so well let me say these are some of the people that sarah is praying for a pregnant friend who had to cancel her trip to disney world her asthmatic dad shout out mr taylor yeah Mm. all of the older people who are coming to church all of the older people who are not coming to church children in the third ward of houston who depend on school for food their parents Anyone making decisions about whether or not to close schools. Everyone in our city who who just has allergies but believes that their spouse in a bathrobe might be the Grim Reaper. The Grim Reaper. This is a tough season for her. Teenagers who are in love. We need that kind of madness and hope right now. Keep it up, kids. The young woman who took a job at CVS to get herself through college and now gets yelled at about the lack of Purell hourly. My Asian doctor who told me how racist people have been to her. Lonely people. People who wanted to spend less time on social media and are now spending three times as much time on social media. Flight attendants. Anyone with OCD. People who have recently been told they only have months to live. I pray that they can take advantage of cheap cruises. Seriously. People who are really scared. People who feel the need to be critical of people who are scared. Myself, that I can remember that God so loved the world that he gave us Jesus and that he did not come to condemn the world, but that he came to save it. He said so himself. Um, Sarah, is there anyone that you might add to that?
1: Oh, my gosh, that's such a good question. Um, I think my daughter, Annie, she never looks sad. And she looked so sad today. And I was like, what's Mm. wrong? And she's like, I can't see my grandmother and I can't go to school. And like, Uh. I know that sounds really small, but it's like, she's our kid that's always up. And so it's, um, yeah, I mean, I think just Annie, honestly, there's so many people to add, but
0: my own kids, I'll read the, the we, we posted this on Instagram and people uh, wrote in and uh, here, here's, here's some more people, healthcare workers, small business owners, college kids for whom home is an emotionally unsafe place to land and now have to mm-hmm. leave the new life they've been finding on their campus and return home. People with low wage or hourly jobs who are disproportionately affected, international college students who cannot travel home, uh, those with young babies, also toddlers who can be a source of risk for them. Uh, definitely would add the people most at risk, uh, the elderly and those with serious lung disease, and anyone who's on any type of immune suppression therapy. Additional prayers to all doctors and nurses who are caring for the sick and infirmed, and prayers of thanksgiving that so far children seem particularly protected from severe coronavirus disease. Uh, pray for um, one of our uh, uh, followers' husband's friend who is immunocompromised already. Uh, my kid who is sad school is canceled. In the the other one who has thrilled my in laws uh, who are older, anyone who passed the illness to a loved one, which may lead to fatality, that they would not be destroyed with guilt or shame, uh, older adults in facility who may miss the clergy pastorally caring for them, anyone with a wedding. For me and my mm-hmm. family, one one of our followers writes, that so we might lose thousands and thousands of dollars if this doesn't clean, clean, clear up. It's a day we've been dreaming of and saving it for for years, and what if my family cannot travel to be here? Do we postpone? And how do we make up the income to pay ev- everything leading up to it? The list goes on, uh, dear listeners, um, and I thought we'd simply close in prayer mm-hmm. by praying one of the colleagues out of the prayer book, The Prayer for the Sick. Um, Mm. so we've never done this before on the podcast but it feels appropriate today so let us pray Uh, heavenly father giver of life and health comfort and relieve your sick servants and give your power of healing to those who minister to their needs that those for whom our prayers are offered may be strengthened in their weakness and have confidence in your loving care through jesus christ our lord who lives and reigns with you in the holy spirit one god now and forever Amen. amen amen All right. Be well, my friends. We'll talk to you next week. That's right, Love you guys. Love you too. Bye. Thank you for listening. Remember, you can find us on the web at www.mbird.com. And we'd always love to hear from you at info at mbird.com audio production for the Mockingcast is provided by the Narrativo Group, and if you like what you've heard, please do drop over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review. Until next time.